True mental toughness is the ability to keep taking action when all hope seems lost. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Millionaire Woman Show, where we bring you the most incredible guests from around the globe to talk about principles of leadership, business, and human potential. Today, I have Julie Gallivan. She helps people make great decisions with total confidence so they can move forward enthusiastically with a peace of mind that their decisions that they are making without question are the right ones. She worked with college students, mid-career professionals, business leaders alike to transform uncertainty and eliminate second guessing so they act with focus, creativity, and high performance. For nearly 15 years, Julie has developed, tested, and refined her method into repeatable steps that unclog the bottleneck in decision-making. She enjoys life with her husband in Rochester, New York, and can be found training for a triathlon, studying up a new language, playing the guitar or piano, and burying her nose in the latest physics design or business book. Okay, you had me at triathlon, <laughs> language, Yes. And playing an instrument. Yeah. Not so much physics, but the design it. and business <laughs> book you had me. Okay, okay, good. That's 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 a good high 90%. So we're on track. <laughs> well, I'm really excited because I know that a lot of the discipline it takes even for triathlon, because I've done triathlon myself awesome. and language. What I see when I hear those things, the, all those things require discipline and a level of self-control, especially when it comes to that decision-making. So yeah. I'm excited about our rich discussion that we're gonna have here today, because as you know, my book is Let's Be Curious, that we were talking about before we came on the show. Mm -hmm. However, I would love to hear your take and what makes you so passionate about decision-making, Julie? Yeah, well, what makes me so passionate, and I am so passionate about decision-making, it's uh, I just, <laughs> It, it's because I'm passionate about life. I mean, I think you can tell from all the things that I do. I'm hungry for life. Life is short. I want to make the most of it. And decisions are part of everything in life. It's kind of like the silent partner in life. A lot of times we'll talk about, you know, the, the business aspect of life, the personal aspect of life, wealth, health, happiness, all those things. What's underneath every single one of them are the decisions that we're making that get us to where we are. And, you know, you brought up triathlon and, and language learning and how those are disciplines. And a lot of times people think of like discipline, I have to have willpower, but not when you're making clear choices. When you have a clear choice, there's no discipline involved. It's I choose to do this. And so you're just following through on the choices that you make. So, you know, so many things that people talk about as challenges in life or as, as, as virtues in life, really behind them is how clear are you on the choices that you're making? So, so that's why I'm so passionate about decision-making. It's, it's really the silent partner behind everything else. Right. So when you have that clarity, 
Yes. But it's a no brainer when it comes to the decision. Yes. Yes, exactly. Clarity. And, you know, sometimes I talk about decision-making, especially when it's like a binary decision. Yes, no. Do I want to do this or not? But you're absolutely right. The bigger thing that is the heart of making great decisions is clarity. Who am I? What do I choose in my life? And the more you have that bigger picture clarity, the more that that infuses all the little decisions and the medium-sized decisions and the big decisions that you make. So absolutely. I'm right there with you. It's all about that clarity. So why is it so critical for women and as well as men, because men listen to the show as well, for living rich from the inside out? Why is it so critical to ensure that that decision making? Yeah. So one of the things that, that I am passionate about in decision making is talking about it as its own entity. You know, we very very rarely break it down to, you know, I'm, I'm making a big decision right now. Um, you know, it's, it's more, we're focusing on the things we're making decisions about, which is, that's wonderful too. And the outcomes of those decisions, but, uh, in order to live a rich, fulfilling, satisfying life on the inside and on the outside, it's the decisions we make are what lead to the, the things that we're doing, which obviously that's part of living richly. You know, if I'm going to, lock myself in a closet and just never experience anything that's not necessarily a rich life, but also our internal state. How happy are you with the decisions you're making? How much meaning are you deriving in your life? How much fulfillment are you having? So much of that, and I would argue to some degree, all of that comes down to how confident are you that the decisions that you're making are the right ones for you so that you can totally unleash what's inside of you, your passion, your creativity, and dive wholeheartedly into the decisions you're making. So it really is, to me, the cornerstone of that richness and that meaning, both in terms of the external, what you're choosing, and the internal, how you feel about what you're choosing and how you show up to what you're choosing. All right. You said wholeheartedly, so I'm going to jump in there. Okay. Why, why do you think it is that people get so stuck in their head versus into their heart when they're making a decision? Oh gosh, I love this question. Okay. So where to begin? So this, this gets into some of my thoughts about what makes decision-making so challenging. See, so we're decision-making machines. That's what we are. We're living, breathing, decision-making machines. It's our, we're wired to make decisions. We make millions of them every day. And we live in a modern world where fortunately in a lot of ways, the options are endless. I mean, if you can dream it, you can be it. If you can think it up, you can do it. That's wonderful. But it also creates a bottleneck in that natural decision-making process. You know, way, way back in the day, if I have to make the decision whether or not to run from that tiger that's chasing me, it's a pretty easy decision to make. You get up and you run for your life. But when I'm making a decision about uh, what job to have, what career to pursue, what person to marry, what house to buy, there are so many inputs that that natural decision-making process that's, that's built to connect between head and heart gets clogged. There's too many inputs. And so it, it starts in a way kind of malfunctioning and all of these other internal mechanisms come in to kind of protect ourselves from that overwhelm. And in that process, that connection between head and heart can get shut down. So a lot of what I do is try and, not try on, I'm happy to say successfully, um, methodically break down the decisions in our modern life to things that are digestible 
to that natural decision-making process. And once it's down to a degree that's a digestible degree, it opens that pathway up again, where our mind does what it does well, which is analysis, and our heart does what it does well, which is actually process massive amounts of information, just infinite amounts from things that are true to us in our spirit, our soul, in our, in our core of our beings to things, factors externally. So we unclog that where now those two parts are working together versus being overwhelmed and, and cut off from each other. Very interesting. Very interesting. But you know, I, I like to joke around with people or they'll say, Oh, I can't remember that. I'm like, yes, you can, because it's just filed. It's just a matter yes. of retrieval. Yes. And if I had something that triggered you, you'd yes. be able to recall it. Yes. Yes, exactly. So much of it is actually about, um, you know, we don't think of these, you know, things like anxiety or doubt or second guessing as issues of um, organization, but it really, I love how you said it's filed in there. It, it really is how our thoughts are organized that impacts and generates all of those feelings and those capacities, like the ability to remember something. I say the same thing to people. You know, if, if it's, it's all inside of you, it really is. Mm -hmm. You just have to be able to access it. And that has to do with how you organize your thoughts. So that's a lot of what I focus on helping people do. Yeah. And you know, the term, you have a memory like an elephant. Uh -huh. It's just being able to recall period information for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. And I know people are saying, Deb, I wish your memory wasn't so good. <laughs> <laughs> My husband says that every once in a while. It's oh, like, good. oh, I forgot That's you remember so everything. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've got to start telling you things because you remember them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There'll be sticky notes all over the house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what makes decision making so challenging? I know we talked a little bit about the anxiety where that doubt comes in. Yeah. So what? it's, yeah. So it's really similar to what I was just talking about where, um, you know, in our modern life, we have so many options, which is wonderful. And actually I read an article recently that I thought was fascinating and, and right in line with everything that I, that I focus on, which is that, um, some therapists were reporting on what were the most commonly reported challenges for millennials. And, you know, they expected it, you know, millennials can kind of get a bad rap for being, you know, all about, you know, things have to be perfect for them. And so they expected things, those to be the things to be the result in the, in this um, study, but it turned out decision fatigue was the number one um, challenge that millennials were facing. And I see it in all generations. I mean, work with people in all generations um, that we have so many options and our, our analytical mind um, has, I forgot the name of the study, but it was from, from decades ago, this was found out. Our analytical minds can only process, I, I believe it's five to seven or five to nine, actually maybe it's seven to 11. That's the reason that our, um, phone numbers and social security numbers fall in that range, can only process that many variables of information at one time. Think about that, seven to 11 variables. How many variables are involved in the simplest decision you make? Which cereal to buy? Well, um, you know, what ingredients are in it and what's the price? And, and you know, I'm allergic to this. And there's a whole aisle there, you know? So decision-making is challenging because we have so many options and it's not what our minds were built to process. Um, and so all these types of things can come from that. 
from that clog, the anxiety, self-doubt, or even people who sometimes I'll talk with people and they'll say, oh, I don't need help with making great decisions. And I'm really good with decision-making. And then before long, they start talking to me about all these decisions that they regret or things that they're not happy with in their life or not happy with in their business. And they don't even realize those are decision issues. A lot of the things that you're dealing with are issues in how you're making your decision. So the, the overwhelm of all of these options, plus people not even really realizing how central decision-making is to all of the outcomes that they're dealing with is just some of the things that make them so challenging. So this got me thinking. So our, when we think about thoughts, feelings, behaviors, equaling our, you know, our behaviors, actions, equaling our results. Yeah. So our action is the decision we make in the action that follows. Yeah. So what about the thoughts and feelings? How is that impacting our decision-making and the beliefs that we carry? Uh, with? It's almost everything. So <laughs> um, you obviously are studied in this as well to be, you know, asking that question because a lot of times when I take people through decision-making, they start out thinking it's about this black and white. Do I want to do this or do I want to do that? And really, once you start unpacking it, it's mostly about the thoughts that we're bringing, the, the ways that we are making uh, certain factors, what we're making them mean, and how much those thoughts are serving us or not serving us. Mm -hmm. So a lot of decision making, I would say most of it, is about unpacking the way we're thinking about things. And um, the process that I use with people, the first half of the technique is really to excavate the, um, the tangled mindsets that get put on the decision-making factors so that you can even get to a place where the decision that you're making in front of you is actually a pure decision where it's, it's really just about the external things you're choosing from, but that's a whole, a whole section of the work is actually to look at how are you thinking about that? You know, when you were making the choice of whether or not to take this job, how much in there was there this thought that was pressuring you that in order for you to feel successful in life, you have to have XYZ job, even though it's, you don't like doing it. It makes you miserable. It makes your family miserable because you're miserable. And you didn't realize there was this one thought inside of you saying, I have to do that. You get in touch with that. You clear that thought away. All of a sudden, a, no, a whole new world of options opens up. So what was at first a binary, excuse me, a binary decision, oh, I've got two options. All of a sudden, the world opens up and it becomes, what do I want to do with my life? What, what do I want to do with my time? What really makes me happy? So you're totally hitting the nail on the head. It is so about our mindset. It's not only about that, but it's so much about that, that um, so few people realize how much that's what's, what, what causes wheel spinning or second guessing or down the line. And this is the, the real insidious one. Oh no, I make great decisions. Five years later, I look back, I wish I made a different choice. Right. So that you're, you're absolutely right. And I think what people have to remember, because I think all of us can beat ourselves up about one decision or another, but it's who you were at that time when you yes. made that decision. That's why hindsight is twenty twenty. Yes. And look back and say, you know, I should have made a different decision. So, you know, people yes. stop shooting on themselves because yes. 
it's not going to help them move forward, right? Yes. Although the, I'm glad you brought that up because that actually, um, there's, there's a powerful opportunity in that moment where you look back and yes, it's good. We don't want people to say I should have, but there actually is a piece of self when somebody looks back and has a regret, I should have made that different decision. There's actually an opportunity in the present moment. There's, there's two tremendous opportunities. One is you have the opportunity to learn from that decision. You know, what, what did I do then based on what information I had, I made the best decision I could at the time, or, or maybe you feel you didn't, I'll come back to that. But there's something you can learn from that that will maximize the decisions you make going forward. If you just focus on, oh, I should have done something different, you're not putting your focus into what can I gain from that so that in five years from now, I look back to this moment and I'm like, yeah, but that time I nailed it. I learned my lesson and I made a better choice. But there's another piece that's really key. When we're hung up on a decision we made in the past, and this, is, this gets a little obtuse, but I think it's worth driving home since you bring it, bring it up. It, there's a piece of who we are that looks at a decision we made and feels an incongruence. Mm -hmm. And so that incongruence is with us in the present. People say, oh, stop focusing on the past. You're not focusing on the past. You're actually in the present, feeling a piece of yourself incongruent with a choice you made in the past. If you wanna to come to peace with a choice in the past, it actually, this is very subtle, it actually serves you to look at that moment and re-choose. You're like, well, I can't change the past. You can't change what you chose in the external in the past, but you can change what you identify with. So maybe I made this choice to you know, stay with this person two years longer than I knew I wanted to be with them, and I'm beating myself up over it. If I say, okay, where's the moment that I knew it was right for me to leave and I didn't leave? And you go back to that moment, you say, you know what? I chose to stay with them, but the true, my true choice, even though it's not what I did, what I choose that I did is I choose I left at that moment. And a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't want to get into regret. This is not about regret or wishing. It's about owning that piece of who you are. When you reclaim, you know what? This is the choice now with hindsight that I choose that I made. That piece of yourself will start to feel congruent again. And it brings peace of mind. Now the past, what you actually chose, will disappear because you reclaimed the piece of yourself that you felt disconnected from by this choice that you were cycling on. So I'm really glad you brought that up. It's not something I, I mean, I talk about that with people in the one-on-one -on -one work I do, but it's a, it's a big thing. People carry those burdens and you really need to free yourself. And a lot of times people try and free themselves by just forget it, just get over it. Mm -hmm. But rather than doing that, say, you know, okay, what do I really choose I did? That's who I am. Cause it's that connection with yourself that, that is what brings the peace. And I think that's where, when we hear about people having those deep regrets in their life, yeah. is that they've taken that time to look at those decisions, accept them for what they are, because yep. they are in the past, yep. but choosing, like you said, where I, how am I going to identify with that? Yes. And who, how am I going to move forward in this moment with that yep. congruency? So I love how you sum that up. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because that's a really, really important topic that it just the amount of mental energy that gets drained on that sort of thing. So having the 
the skills and the tools to be able to free yourself from that is, yeah. is humongous, huge. And I, and I think that other thing that strikes me is when people carry that burden. So if we think like a backpack or this heavy load that we're continuously carrying for yeah. years, like I know someone who had been carrying something for like 40 years Oh yeah. before they realized that, because they felt like they were responsible for something. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, based on that decision, they realized that no matter if they've done that or something else, the outcomes were not in their control. Mm -hmm. They felt like, for example, if I buy someone a vehicle and they get in an accident, mm. they took that accident as oh. was their fault because they bought the car, right? Oh my gosh. So what a burden to carry for 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. So if we can get people looking at some of those regrets or decisions that they didn't feel good about, yeah, yeah, to a place of acceptance. Imagine what your on your ongoing decisions would be like if you didn't carry the burden already with you. Exactly, exactly. It's I mean it, that's so key, and you bring up a really important, I think, nuanced point. Like sometimes when I'm working with people. And, you know, a lot of times, obviously, it's, I have a decision in front of me to make, but sometimes when people come to me with some kind of burden or angst, we actually work on making a decision about something that happened in the past. Because when you can clear the way that you frame a decision you made in the past, you can do that in the present. So just like you said, if that person in that example looks at that decision free and clear and recognizes, okay, I made a decision to buy them a car, which is, is just about the decision to buy someone a car. And I can't control what happens as a result of that. Once they bring thoughtfulness to that and can their, their, their mind, when they break it down and really look at it, their mind will go, wait a second. I, I couldn't have foreseen that. I certainly didn't cause that. And then that burden lifts. So I think you're, you're right on the making decisions in the present about what we've made decisions about in the past is, is huge to really clear the slate and free you up. Um, again, I keep going back to that mental brain space that's occupied by, by the angst that can, can be present with decisions, past, present, future. So you're, you're right on, right on with that. So before I ask you about how you even got into this decision making as a coach, yeah. The thing that comes to me is the influences. Mm. What influences those thoughts? Like we talked about beliefs. Yeah. The one that I really want to touch on is external opinions. Oh. So, you know, when people are making decisions, they're seeking advice, they're seeking approval, validation. Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to touch on that. Yeah. So, so when I, the way I like to work with people, it's a very methodical, systematic approach to, to digest the complexities of decisions down into their parts. And a big part of that is people getting in touch with why they are making a certain decision. So often, uh, we don't even think about why we're making a certain decision. It's just knee-jerk response or we're, we're just doing it because it's what we think we're supposed to do. When you actually sit down and ask yourself, why am I making this decision? All those things you just talked about start to come out. And when you look at them on paper, when you hear them reflected back to you, you feel that dissonance of, wait a second, that's actually not 
a good reason for me to make this decision and um, forces you to really look at that. Oh, okay, I'm looking for so-and-so's approval. If you really sit with yourself and say, is that a good reason to make this decision? No matter what has come to you through life, we all have this internal resonance mechanism and you can just feel that's not the reason to make choices about my life. If we don't actually sit down and break those down, all of those influences push pull us at a more subconscious level where we have these more primal urges and needs that are very central and very important to us that we may not be noticing is happening. So it's really when you take the time to notice, you take the time to look at what's really motivating me, then it starts to come to the surface and that, that natural resonance mechanism will kick in. So yes, there's influences Obviously, other people's opinions impact us, society's messages impact us, but only if we let them. Right. And so it's really all about how consciously are you making your decision? You're a human being, I'm a human being, therefore you are naturally letting them influence you because that's just part of, of how we survive. Mm-hmm. But when you bring consciousness to that, then you can actually bring your own mind and heart to bear. I actually was just working with one of my clients um, really brilliant young woman who I've been working, gotten the opportunity to work with from when she was in high school. Now she's graduated college and she's made all these amazing choices and gotten all this clarity about what she wants out of her life. And uh, recently had to deal with the influence of her parents saying, hey, this is what we want you to do. And her natural instinct was just to do what her parents said. She loves and trusts her parents. Her parents are looking out for her best interest. Uh, and But so she got on the phone, all of a sudden she was starting to do something that wasn't what we had been talking about for years that she wanted to do. And I said, hey, why are you making this choice? And she said, and came out, well, my parents told me to. And then we got into all this really amazing, deep content about her relationship with her parents and then brought her parents on the phone, brought her mom on the phone with her and made it clear, you know, your parents actually only want what's best for you. And you actually know what's best for you. So why don't you converse with them and tell them what's on your mind? She had this conversation with her parents. Turns out her parents were totally in support of what she actually wanted to do. And it was just a communication issue. Mm -hmm. And just, it was this amazing transformation to see she was ready to take herself off track because of these stories she wrote about what she's supposed to do that somebody told her to do. But when she really had a conversation and took ownership for herself, it was like, Hey, we're all on the same page here. Now that doesn't always happen that it's all on the same page in that case it did. But um, just staring in the face, that influence, that, that assumption Mm -hmm. of, you know, that external influence when you really step back and look at the reason why. And when I asked her, you know, is doing this because your parents told you to, does that feel like a good reason? She was like, no, it doesn't. Then she reconnected to everything that's really important to her. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think those things influence, but I, I really like to be careful when people talk about, you know, how much influence they have and remind people they they really only have as much influence as you allow them to have mm-hmm. and it's how conscious you are with your decisions that will determine how much you allow things to influence you that aren't really what's right for you your your decisions are yours and first and foremost you have to take ownership for that and intuitively we know 
yeah when you have the clarity you know exactly what you need to do and you need exactly. to how they say listen to your body because your body will tell you if you're not making the right decision oh yeah oh yeah so tell us now what how did you even get into becoming a decision coach yeah yes so I only fairly recently started referring to myself as a decision coach. I've been coaching for almost 15 years. And uh, the reason I started honing in on that and really now going forward and focusing on that almost exclusively um, is because I realized this is mostly what I'm helping people with. It's what I'm most passionate about. And it's also what I've developed the most technique around. And, and the reason for that, um, you know, uh, sometimes people think, oh, you help people make great decisions. You must naturally just always be making great decisions. It's like, no, that's not the case. It's, it's your mess is your message. And, you know, the way I got into this is I'm naturally a very enthusiastic person. I don't know if that has become apparent yet, but <laughs> um, so, it, you know, in my teens and my tw early 20s, I noticed a lot of times I was making decisions, getting myself into something enthusiastically, becoming the poster child, and then realizing I'm not interested in this at all, and then needing to extract myself. And it, it, then I went the other side and became very cautious about making any decision because I didn't want to keep finding myself in places that I wanted to extract myself from. And so just for myself, I, was, I wanted to know, how do I make a decision? and know totally, with total confidence, not in hindsight, but in, with foresight, that it's the right thing for me, where I can feel totally confident. And I dedicated myself to that. I, I did some research, didn't find what I was looking for, developed it originally just for my own use, developed these methodologies for getting big picture clarity about what I wanted to do with my life, making small, medium, large decisions, and just had this process that I used that was working great for me, and I was, I was, this is great. I'm in heaven. I'm waking up with the same clarity every day. I feel totally confident in my decisions. I'm showing up prepared. I'm putting my best foot forward. I'm proud of what I'm doing. I don't have doubts or second guessing. This is fantastic. So then I started sharing it with my clients and found out they were getting the same results. And once I started to see that, then I just put all of my energy behind really honing these techniques. So every single time they would just provide these repeatable results. And then once I saw it was happening, I said, I'm, I gotta get this, the word out there. There's too much time and energy being wasted. People not enjoying, people not getting meaning or fulfillment, people holding themselves back. So then I, I just became very dedicated. I'm gonna focus on this and deliver this content, deliver these techniques, and hopefully people will get the same results that I've had, and it's, it's, it's been wonderful. So that's kind of the, the, the long and the short of it. That is so powerful because if we think about if everyone made one decision that was right for them that they would not regret, imagine what would happen to the world around us. Oh my gosh. I think about that every day. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the secret? How do you develop total confidence to know that you've made the right decision? Okay. Yes. So the secret, the secret took me uh, about a decade or so to figure out. I, I love sharing the things I found because it's like, okay, now that decade of my life has meaning beyond just the impact to me for other people to get that without having to go through the decade of searching for it. Um, so what I would say the secret is, is something that a lot of times gives people some pause. So I will say what the secret is and then I'll speak to the, uh, the objection that I've heard a couple of times, more than a couple of times, is actually 
addressing, in your decision, addressing everything that is important to you, everything that's on your mind about the decision. Now, when I first say that, a lot of times people go, oh, wait, but the whole issue is I'm overthinking, I'm overanalyzing. I don't want to do more thinking. And what I say to that is, would you go into the patent clerk office where Einstein was sitting working on his general theory of relativity and say, listen, Einie, listen, Al, I think you're, you're, you're overthinking this a little bit. Of course you wouldn't, right? And, and he was doing a lot of thinking. He was mostly thinking. And the reason you would never say that to him is his every ounce of energy he was putting into his thinking was constructive thinking. It was effective thinking. Every thought was leading to another thought that built on each other and led to this really brilliant, complex, nuanced um, understanding. So the issue with overthinking or overanalyzing is not overthinking, it's that your thinking is not effective. So it's wheel spinning. There's really not thinking happening, it's just spinning of wheels. So the secret is about learning how to constructively think about each of the factors that's going on. Um, and so really the, the secret to doing that is to be able to break those factors down into processable chunks. And that's what I work with people to do. But even just getting that mindset shift that uh, it, you actually do want to think, you just want to effectively think. So is my thought process actually processing what's in front of me or am I just spinning my wheels? So what do you do to help people that can't or don't what they don't do on their own? Like, you know, we think all the time, we make decisions all the time. Yeah. So what is it that you help them go in and do? Yeah. So exactly. We're, we're living, breathing, decision-making machines. We're, we're doing it all the time. But like we talked about at the beginning, um, when a decision has more variables that our mind can process naturally, we get that bottleneck. We get the second guessing. We get the doubts. We get the oversimplification or overcomplication, making a decision, and then later not enjoying the results. So I help people with the decisions that have those more variables than they can process. So if you're sitting here and say, hey, I got to go to the bathroom, you don't have to, we don't have to talk about that decision. You just get up and go. But for the bigger decisions in life, or even the smaller decisions that have a lot of variables, um, that's where I come in. And in modern life, <laughs> that's actually most decisions. So what I help people do is break down that decision-making process into digestible chunks so that our mind that can focus on seven to 11 variables at once has a chunk in front of it that it can fully process so that like we just talked about, it can effectively think about each nugget. So I help people know how to break that down. And then once I, I kind of guide them into that nice seven to 11 variables worth of things to think about, their natural process will kick in and then we'll move to the next and then we'll kick in and then they come out on the other side and they've got this total confidence decision. Yes. It was, I'm just laughing to myself because I grew up in a, on a farm outside of a small town. So like 655 people was this town. And of course the options were yeah. narrowed, very yeah. narrowed of what was available. And then you, you know, move to university and you all of a sudden are faced with all these choices and how much simpler those decisions were before because there wasn't so many variables. Exactly, exactly. It's like on the one hand, having less variables can feel stifling because we don't necessarily have the avenues to express all the nuances 
of who we are and what we're interested in, what we're capable to do. And then on the flip side, you open up all those options. It's wonderful. You can express anything that's in you can be expressed some way, but you have to be able to navigate that. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's great that you had that, that experience to see the, the difference between those two. Cause I think a lot of people, if they don't have that, you know, simple, a more simple environment and then go into a more complex one, they don't notice why they're feeling so overwhelmed because it's just the air they breathe. Yeah. So that's neat that you had that, that opportunity to, to see the difference. Although I'm sure it was also very overwhelming. <laughs> it makes me think that there, I think we're just going to coin a new phrase today. Life yeah. is simple until we have to make a decision. Oh, I love it. DM. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So what can our audience do today? All our listeners, people viewing on YouTube, what, what can they do today to become a better decision maker? So I would break that down into two different categories. Uh, the first is a mindset thing. So your decisions are your decisions. And so often we feel like things are happening to us or feel like somebody made a decision for us or we have to do this um, or we can't do this or we, we, I don't have a choice, you know, all those sorts of things. Or, or we just go with the flow and just do what's in front of us, which there's nothing inherently wrong with those things. But if you want to get the most out of life, it starts with my decisions are my decisions. And when you really take that ownership that the decisions you make, everything that you're uh, putting yourself into is coming from you. You're, they're your decisions. Yes, you have external um, things to, to navigate and you may have some really challenging external circumstances to navigate. So you may have even traumatic you know, external circumstances to navigate, but what you do in response how you navigate what's in front of you. Those decisions are yours. So, so that mindset shift um, is, the, is one thing I would say. Next thing I would say that's also a mindset shift, and it's happening if they're even listening or watching us right now, is starting to think of decision-making as a thing to do because we're so often focused on the things we're making decisions about, which is great, but we don't necessarily say, okay, how, how am I making this decision? Oh, decision-making is something I'm doing. It's a process. There are different ways to approach it. So that mindset shift of actually starting to pay attention to how you're making your decisions is another mindset shift. Now, in terms of tactical, I'll give some of the tips. Um, a lot of people go to pros and cons. Um, it's tried and true. I understand that. You know, Charles Darwin is famously had a pros and cons list about whether or not to marry his beloved, which he ultimately married her, I believe. Um, so I understand it has a history, but I am definitely a bit on a mission to uh, replace the pros and cons list with the, uh, so if you, if you have a decision in front of you that's, that's worthy of, of thoughtful attention, I would propose that you first write down at the top of a page what decision you're leaning towards. Say you have a job offer. You say, I'm leaning towards taking this job, so I choose to take this job. Then write down why. What are your reasons why? This is what we talked about before, where you can't really look at what's, what's influencing you until you look at what's motivating you in your decision. Then write down your reasons why not. What are the things causing conflict that make you go push-pull? And then this third category, which is where 
the magic happens. I mean, all three categories are important. The third category is thoughts and things to address in order to feel great about the way you implement your decision. So if I'm taking, thinking of taking this job, maybe one thing on my mind is, um, do I feel really prepared for um, starting this new position? Uh, what do I need to do to feel comfortable with my new colleagues? Um, I, you know, so on and so forth. There could be all these different things. These are the things keeping you up at night. These are the things that subconsciously make you hold back and make you go, well, I can't because, or should I, or shouldn't I? But when you actually list them out, you will start to realize I'm an intelligent person. I'm a problem solving person. I can generate solutions. And all of these things that were holding you back and causing you pause are all addressable. They're all addressable. And so when you start to think of your decisions in terms of whys, why nots, and things to address, just that shift, rather than pros and cons, because pros and cons do not connect you to what's important to you. They, sometimes they do. In, 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 in some levels of decisions, they can help loosen things up. But in general, why, that's about what motivates you. Why not? That's also about what motivates you. And thoughts and things to address are about what's important to you. So that would be what I would say that people can do today. Start thinking differently about how you're evaluating your decisions. And it, you'll, it'll be amazing what just starts to naturally loosen up. Like we talked about at the beginning, that link between head and heart, they'll start to work together again. Mm -hmm. So what's the cost of not making a good decision or being stuck in, you know, not feeling confident in the decisions you've already made? I love this question because most people, when this question gets floated out there, have like a visceral response because we all, I mean, if you've been alive on planet earth for more than a day or two, you know what it feels like to make a decision you don't have confidence in or to make a decision that you look back and you say, that wasn't really a great decision. So, so there's whatever people's visceral responses to that I'm always interested in. But the, I would say the costs of not making a good decision or one that you have confidence in are as high as the stakes of the decision in front of you. And these decisions can cost you your life. They can cost you your career, your marriage, your health, your wealth, your, your sense of self, money. Yeah, there's, there's all these external costs that not making a, a good decision or a great decision can show up in your life. But what I'm actually even more interested in than all of those costs is the, the cost that is common to all of them, which is peace of mind. Peace of mind is, I mean, that's, that's the good stuff in life. No matter what you're doing, whether you're earning a million dollars, a billion dollars, or $10, whether you're with the love of your life or, you know, hanging out by yourself, whatever it is you're doing, peace of mind is, is the gold mine. You being able to be present in your life, being able to enjoy your life, being able to be present with the people around you. And when your mental energy is caught on that wheel or second guessing or feeling not fulfilled, you don't have that peace of mind, which is the gold of life. And Life is short. We don't have time to waste it on things tangling our mind up and things that are not where they need to be. So to me, that's why, going back to that first question, why I'm so passionate about this, making decisions you feel great about, making total confidence decisions gives you peace of mind. And that's, you know, that's, that's the great equalizer. It's what we all want. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. That peace of mind and feeling confident and not questioning yourself yeah. on a basis. Yeah. So if there was one message you can give the listeners and the viewers to get more out of their lives or businesses, what would that be? Life is short. Your life is important. The decisions you make matter. So take the time to make them thoughtfully. That is my message. Awesome. So I'm going to ask something that I like to ask a lot of my guests. Yeah. What is one book that has a profound effect in your life? Ooh, one book that has a profound effect in my life. Wow. There have been many. What's the one? This is tough. What is one book? You know, the one that keeps popping my mind, I know there's been a lot of books over, over the ages that have really influenced me. Uh, actually, two are popping into my head right now. But th this one I read way, way back, you know, 15 years ago, probably before I was really starting to think about all of this and, and part of what got me on the path. It's a book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. And it, it's, it's a really fascinating little book um, about... A, a talking gorilla that um, this man who's seeking, I forgot what he was seeking, I think some kind of peace in his life, ends up sitting and talking with this gorilla who he doesn't verbally talk, he like telepathically talks. And he takes this man through this journey of starting to think about the assumptions that we have culturally about life. And um, I think that book really you know, I don't necessarily, not everything that it says in it is, is something I carry with me, but that the essence where it really brought me to pay attention to the assumptions that I have about life that, you know, like you were talking about the influences, um, the external influences, and it really made me step back and say, what are the things that I'm just assuming because it's what I've observed and what I've learned versus what, what is really true? So I think that that's one of the books that, that comes to mind. I, mean, I know there are, there are tons of them, but that, that's what popped in my head when you asked. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Julie, this has been a phenomenal interview. Yes. I love, we could probably be talking for hours about yes. making and, you know, yes. pulling out some decisions to be made. Oh, yeah. But how can people further connect with you? Oh, yeah. So I just recently started a Facebook group. I'm really excited about getting a lot of discussion going in there. It's called How to Make a Great Decision and Never Look Back. So that's a great way to connect with me. I also have a website, www.imakegreatdecisions.com. So you can get in touch with me directly there as well. Awesome. And are you on the social media platforms as well, other than the group? I am not as of yet. I have been a little bit living in a little quiet corner of the world for a lot of years. So I'm just starting to get out uh, and, and put myself out there into social media and, and engage there. But right now, those are the two ways you can get to me. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for being such a phenomenal guest, everyone. That is Julie Gallivan. Oh, um, it was such a pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everyone, we'd love for you, if you haven't already, go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com. You'll get your three mini part video series of making habits stick so you can get focused, consistent, get that discipline in there to really make those habits and choices that you need to make. 
Also, go over to iTunes, subscribe, give our, us a five-star high five, rate and review the show. But above all, what did you take away from this interview? I would love for you to reach out to Julie or myself, letting us know what impact it had. And if you're on YouTube, please comment below. Let us know how you enjoyed this. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And as always, go out and make today great and start with making great decisions. Woo!